0: Welcome to Down to Earth but Heavenly-Minded Podcast. Hosted by Irving Risch. Light and Life Meditations on the Gospel and Epistles of John. By James Boyd. 18. The Prayer of John Chapter 17. All through his years of patient ministry the Lord had spoken to them about the Father, now he was to speak to the Father about them. The hour was come. The work is viewed as already accomplished, and he says so, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. He had done all that he had come to do on earth. This is the position that he takes when he spoke these words. he had still to accomplish the mighty work of redemption. The bitter cup was still full to the brim, and he had to drink it. but it was as certain to be done as though it had been done. But in this wonderful prayer of his, which is deeply engraven on the heart of every one who truly loves him, there is no mention made of the cup that was yet to be drunk. He speaks as no more in the world. The hearts of his adversaries were filled with hatred. They had plotted his destruction, and the betrayer was at hand. One thing remained to complete their utter refusal of him, and that was the cross, he must be lifted up from the earth. He must be numbered with the transgressors, and dealt with as one unfit to live. It was night, and the murderers led by the traitor were on the track of their victim. It was man's hour. The restraining hand of God was withdrawn, and the devil has his own way. The God of Israel is about to be encircled by the leaders of his favoured nation. They have had centuries of his gracious and forgiving ways, but now they will break his bands and cast off his cords. And the Romans must have a hand in his mock trial and his refusal from the earth. In this awful tragedy the whole world must be represented. If the traitor has been pointed out by a sop that speaks of the purest friendship, so must the Saviour be distinguished by the kiss of the traitor. But I anticipate. Jesus is going back to the Father. But the way home was by the cross, and that was as rejected by the world. But what transpired on the cross after that was between himself and God, and therefore could have no place in this prayer. Properly speaking the work of the cross was not done upon earth, but as lifted up from the earth. I do not say that the cross is not included in, I have glorified thee on the earth. I cannot pronounce any definite opinion on the subject. But when he speaks in this prayer to the Father he does not mention it. He speaks of all that he had made known to his disciples, how he had kept them, how he had manifested the Father's name to them, what they were to the Father and to himself, and what his desires for them were, but of his sufferings and death he says nothing. He had glorified the Father on the earth, and on this ground, and on the ground that he had finished the work given him to do, in which the work of the cross may come in. He claims the glory with the Father that he had with him before the world was. But this was only that he might continue to glorify the Father in a way in which it was impossible to glorify him on earth. And one way in which this glory was to be brought to the Father was by giving eternal life to as many as the Father had given to him. And this, he says, is life eternal, that they might know thee the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. It is as possessing this life that we can enjoy the Father and the Son. It came into manifestation in Jesus, and is the life by which we live, in the revelation that has come to us in him. It is the life of divine persons, but ours also in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. They were able to trace things to their source, however little they might have been able to put their knowledge into words. They had received the words that the Father had given to the Son, and had known surely that he had come forth from the Father, and that the Father had sent him. This the Lord could say of them, though they might not have been able to say it of themselves. They knew he had not come of himself, but that he had been sent of the Father. The Father's words through his lips had produced that impression in their hearts. For them he makes demand. He does not demand for the world just yet. The day is coming in which that demand shall be made, and God will give him the heathen for his inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for his possession. Psalm chapter 2. He can confidently make demand for those he speaks of, for, he says, they are thine. But then, all mine are thine, and thine are mine all that the Father had was His. And all that He had was the Father's, and in the men given to Him out of the world He was glorified. And in the Father's charge He leaves them, asking Him to keep them through His name. He, while upon earth and in their midst, had kept them in that name, but now He was leaving them in the Father's care to be kept in the same name, in order that they might be one. As the Father and the Son were one, that is, one in thought and mind and we know that the apostles were thus kept in spite of the various gifts that they possessed and the special line of ministry that was given to each one of them the truth never could have been established in the hearts and minds of believers had the apostles been disputing among themselves how very wonderful it is that he who is holy and true should interest himself in such poor unworthy failing and naturally selfish things as we are and that even though we may be the subjects of a work of grace for the flesh is unmendably evil luke chapter 9 verse 46 how true it is that his love surpasses knowledge. They were the fathers, and he had loved them and had kept them because they were the fathers. They were the sons by right of eternal counsel, Ephesians chapter one verse four. And they were the fathers as chosen out of this world and by him given to the Son, John chapter seventeen verse six. And now Jesus was glorified in him, and this fact he presents to the Father as a powerful motive for the Father's unfailing interest in them. Into what a holy fellowship are we here introduced? what familiar intercourse are we privileged to listen. Here is one of the persons of the Godhead speaking to another of things with which his heart was burdened. The sun, the moon, the stars, the marvellous constellations that adorn the firmament of heaven, the myriads of angelic beings that wait the command of their august Creator, or that flame across celestial regions in lightning haste to accomplish the only will that ever gave impetus to their spiritual being, these were all as well remembered as though nothing else claimed a single thought of the Maker, Upholder and governor of all, and yet at this present moment the heart of father and son is supremely engaged with eleven, or at the most with a hundred and twenty, of the poor and despised of this world, whose hearts were filled with anxious forebodings regarding the dark and lonely future that seemed to be opening before their sorrowing souls. But such were the Father's choice, thine they were, and thou gavest them me. They were the objects of eternal love, and though in their natural state as in the flesh they were no better than others. Just children of wrath, yet the Father would not forego his purpose regarding them, but in sovereign grace would draw them to Jesus, who gave himself a propitiation for their sins, that they might live to God as partakers of his own life, and that in the power of the indwelling Spirit, thou gavest us in eternal love, to him to bring us home to thee, suited to thine own fort above, as some like him with him to be. But his prayer was not for those only who surrounded him at the moment, but, for them also which shall believe on me through their word. His desires include all who would believe on him throughout the whole of the present dispensation. One we are in life and nature, but practically as far from it as we possibly could be. Still one we are, though without the grace to own it. Brethren, children of God, are one, one by being born of God, one by the life-giving power of Christ, one whether they dwell together in unity or whether they do not. The good and pleasant, thing, Psalm chapter 130, we neither exhibit, nor enjoy, for the will of the flesh is to a large extent dominant, the Holy Spirit grieved, and divine love swallowed up by the pride of our own hearts. How thoroughly ashamed of ourselves we should be. The world has not believed, and the blame of its unbelief lies at our door. We have fought and devoured one another when we should have walked in the unity of the divine life and nature. Had the Father's word, which was spoken by the Son down here, held a larger place in our hearts, we would have been more effective witnesses to the grace of a Saviour God. And we might have given to men the impression of His infinite love. So that whatever else was true we might at least have had this confidence that we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son as Saviour of the world. 1 John chapter 4 verse 14. But if we have failed, if we have wrought no deliverance on the earth, if the world must go on in blind unbelief, and if the spurious profession must be eventually skewed out of the mouth of Christ, he can and will deal with the men of this world in both judgment and mercy. His dealings with sinners shall not be altogether in judgment, as though he had forgotten to be gracious, nor will they be altogether in mercy, as their rebellion against God were of no importance but in the execution of wrath mercy will be remembered, and multitudes will be brought to repentance and saving faith, Revelation chapter 7. We have to confess failure terrible and grievous, but with him failure has no existence. This is our confidence.